Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show, Cut the Shit, Get Fit. Uh, today, we have a special guest. Uh, his name is Dr. Jason Klopp. Say hello. Hello, hello, the Shit Fit crew. <laughs> nice. Uh, so let's dive right in. Can you kind of just tell your the audience who you are, what you do, and what your podcast is? Sure. Well, thanks so much, Rafael, for having me on. It's a real pleasure to, to be here and share my information or my background with all of you guys. So I'm really excited to get into it and to you know learn more about how I can potentially serve your audience. And so a little bit about me. I live in Vancouver, British Columbia. I'm a naturopathic doctor, and I do also have a podcast. It's called Step Into the Jungle. And on the show, I don't know, I cover all sorts of things. It used to be predominantly interview-based, and now it's sort of migrated over the months uh, to being more of a just myself chatting and talking about different things, uh, personal development stuff, leadership stuff, a little bit of health stuff here and there, uh, but just really having fun with it and, and just you know enjoying the process. And so that's a little bit about me, unless uh, you've got any further questions to take us in. Uh, yeah. Um, for the people who don't know what is naturopathic medicine, cause I find some people kind of know what it is and they have this weird thing that they don't really know. So they kind of just assume that it's not that important. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of that out there. Um, yeah. I, I feel like your audience would be up on it because, uh, you know, they're a smart crew. But just, just to, you know, if anybody out there doesn't really know, basically I'll explain a little bit from the educational standpoint. So to get into a naturopathic medical school, you first need to have a four-year degree. And for me, I did a, a bachelor's of science with a major in biology and a minor in psychology. And then from there, you can apply to get into naturopathic medical school, which is a four-year program. And in that program, you cover all of the science basic, basics, just like you would in any other medical school. And then you, in addition to all of that, you add on some extra layers. And those extra layers are the modalities, which include um, you know, naturopathic manipulations, um, herbal medicine, nutrition stuff, uh, homeopathy, acupuncture, these types of extra modalities. And, and then on top of all that, we also have the ability to prescribe prescriptions, just depending on which province you're in. But British Columbia, we do have that ability. So the basic premise of our medicine is to treat the root cause, figure out what's going on, what's the problem, and give a solution. It's kind of like you know the the allopathic medicine style typically out there although that's not how everybody practices it's it's kind of like you know a light goes on in your car saying something's going on here something's wrong the red light comes on and instead of you know figuring out why is that light on you just kind of pull the the fuse out and by giving them a medication now medications are necessary in some cases and, you know if you're on medication there's probably a good reason for it but they're not the solution long term. Oftentimes they, you know, they can be a quick fix to get you back on course and then figuring out, okay, what is going on here? What can we change here? What can we figure out and, and adjust? And you know, as you're doing with your show, getting fit is a big, big component. We live real sedentary lives. You know, we're not really getting out there like we would have many years ago. And so that's sort of the premise of the medicine. It's using more oh, it's called alternative, although I don't like that word, but using more natural type remedies to cure somebody to take them over that edge uh and so that's that's a little snapshot yeah definitely like i kind of look at it almost like if you're trying to improve your optimal health and rather than like this is the end all be all type of deal but i even have clients where they're going to the regular mds and 
you know, the problem's still kind of there. They're taking medication, and that's where I kind of say maybe you should look towards maybe a naturopath. They could maybe figure it out. Totally, yeah. It's, you know, it's optimal as well, but also there's, you know, preventative is a big component and just, you know, reactionary as well. Now, people will say to me, well, what are you going to do when somebody walks into your office with a broken arm? I say, well, I'll do just what a medical doctor will do. I'll send them to the emergency. <laughs> yeah. You know, we don't do that. So I get these types of questions like, oh, well, what if somebody needs a surgery? Well, I'm not a surgeon. Yeah. You, know, you got to go to a surgeon for a surgery. I can help diagnose and, and all these things and figure out what's going on, but, you know, run lab tests and all these different things. But when it actually comes to doing some of that more advanced, intensive stuff, you know, definitely we need the medical doctors. And I think... Um, I think we should clear the air here a little bit as well. I think a lot of people have this notion that naturopathic doctors are some way pitted against the, the medical doctors. And I, that's, that's you know, the furthest thing from the truth. And in fact, what we need is an integrative model where we're working together and we realize what each strengths are and how they can complement each other to further serve the patient. Because ultimately, that's what it's all about. We got into this to help people get better and we to understand what are my strengths and how can I utilize those in getting the patient further. But if I'm feeling stuck or they need some more intensive care, that's where we bring in the, the medical doctors. And so this team approach, instead of thinking, you know, it's us against them and this whole thing. And I get that from people more often, but to me, that's not how I feel at all. And so I think when we have this more open-minded approach, that's how we'll really move people forward. Oh, definitely. Like, you got to have an open mind for everything. Usually the people that are closed off, they tend to be miserable and not happy. <laughs> but, Very true. Um, kind of touching on that, can, like, for my audience, if they went to a naturopath, would they benefit, say, from, like, a diet approach or anything like that? Well, I think what's really interesting, what makes this profession so exciting is that, there's so many different approaches to a single problem. It's both a blessing and a curse. You know, you could go to one naturopathic doctor and you get one approach and you go to another one and you get a completely different approach. But really, what's really awesome that everyone practices is that we believe that people are individuals and as individuals, they should be treated individually. And so it's very um, patient-centered care. It's not just a one you know, one size fits all, you know, you've got hypertension, you need a certain medication and that's it, like following these algorithms. Although they can be useful in certain situations, there's this real focus on how can we help people. Now, when it comes to a dieting perspective, everyone's got a different opinion. It doesn't matter who you are in the world. Uh, everybody's got a different opinion and it's just the same with naturopathic doctors. We've all got a different opinion and there's different diets that work well for different people. And so it's, again, deciding what would work best for that person, what would be the most optimal for them, as the word you used earlier, but also what they're going to comply with. I think that's a huge, huge one. It's really easy to give this super restrictive diet and that it'll work, but if it's not possible for them to do it or it's too much too soon or it's too stressful for them or they don't have any education around how to actually introduce this into their lives, then it's just not going to work. So finding out where that person is and then matching them to that stage where they're at and always sort of giving them a little bit of push as they go along. Yeah, definitely. Because even with my clients, like when it comes to diet and nutrition, I kind of tell them like you should almost practice habits rather than here's 30 rules 
of a book that you need to memorize and start doing tomorrow. Like it'll, they won't be successful with that. So what I'll tell them, like whatever you're struggling, like I'll ask them what your biggest struggle is and say, it's like they're skipping breakfast. It's like, okay, for the next week and maybe the next two weeks, I just want you to have something for breakfast. I don't even care what it is. Just have breakfast, breakfast. And then, uh, when they see success, like eating every morning, I'll give them something else to kind of build on top of that until they're, you know, that habit that they started in the beginning, they're not even thinking about it. And you kind of continually feed them new stuff. I think you hit on something really important here. And that's that it needs to become more of a lifestyle than it is a, you know, a fad. And that's why this whole like diet and all these different things, I don't really like those types of words, although, you know, they do describe what it means that you're, you're, you know, you're changing your, your food intake. And so that's, a, you know, in effect, a diet. But I think we need to focus on the long term here. What's going to be serving me for the long term? What can I do today and, you know, beyond today that I'll actually be able to keep up? Because, you know, you've probably heard the word yo-yo dieting, which basically means it's like you lose a bunch of weight, you put it on, you lose it and you put it on. And from a physiological standpoint, that's really hard on the body. That's really hard on the metabolism. The body's like, oh, wow, we're going into starvation mode. So we're starving. Let's, let's, let's try to pack on any fat that we can get. And so then you go back to eating again and, you know, eating, eating out all these junk foods and whatever else you might indulge in. And then your body's like, wow, wow, we really need to pack it on. The food's here, you know, spring has come, harvest is here, let's go crazy. And then you go into a famine, it's just up and down and up and down. And so people wonder, like, why I just start eating again just a little bit and I just pack it on. And that's because you really confused your metabolism. Your thyroid's all out to whack and your hormones are all, you know, wonked out. And so that's really what happens. And so figuring out how you can live a lifestyle the lifestyle that works for you, that you can do long term, and it's just something, it's just kind of who you are and what you do versus I need to get my summer body here and, you know, this whole up and down thing. I think that's really damaging and, and it, you know, it makes a lot of money for the weight loss business because they just keep coming back, but ultimately for people's, you know, happiness and fulfillment and self-esteem and all these other things, it's just damaging. Oh, definitely. Like when I have clients that ask me, oh, what do you think of this diet? I always ask them, can you do it for the rest of your life? <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, there's no chance. <laughs> so like that kind of just tells you, like if you can't do this sort of diet that you read in some sort of magazine, then it's probably not good for you if you can't do it for the rest of your life. <laughs> totally, yeah. yeah. It's uh, And again, there's, there's all these debates, vegetarian, vegan, all these things. And although they can be good for shorter periods, longer term, uh, you know, it's got to work for you. And if it just doesn't, then you've got to figure out what does and follow that. And I think a lot of people, too, get confused by all these different things. Now, I was recently um, just hanging out with a bunch of people and they knew that I was a naturopathic doctor. And they kept saying, well, Jason, what about, is this a good food or is that a good food? And I said, look, you guys, we've got to stop demonizing food. We've got to stop calling food good or bad Food is food. Food's there to nourish us, you know? And if we've got this idea that something's bad for us, well, that's just not, that's just not going to help us long term. So figuring out what nourishes us, what can you know, bring us back to that optimal health, to feeling energetic and excited about your day and, and making that th- carry out throughout your day, keeping those energy levels sustained. And so I think there's this idea out there that, you know, and it, it's come through the marketing, you know, fad is bad and you know, all these different things. And 
indeed some of these things are bad, but having this idea that food is inherently bad and that you've got to pick out the good is, in my opinion, not helpful. Oh, yeah. Like the media does not do a good job to help anybody out there. It's like, make sure it's low fat, no sugar, no nothing. <laughs> like, Well, it's, you know, sensationalizing everything. It's, it's, it's for ratings. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was going to ask you next, uh, what's your opinion about like the blood allergy tests that naturopaths do? Again, um, they're scientifically, they're researched. They are quite effective. Having said that, there's always op- like possibilities for error, as is for any testing. Now, what I would always tell patients is that you can either do an elimination type of diet where you cut out some of the most allergenic type foods, which commonly are, this is a list, five, seven, it really depends on the person and the severity of their condition. Now, if they're totally feeling fine, their digestive health is fine, well, I'm not going to suggest this. But if they're coming to me because they've got skin problems and they've got digestive problems, get sore stomachs just after eating, I say, okay, well, would you be willing to cut out some foods for a couple weeks and then slowly reintroduce them? It's a slower process. It takes a little more time. You've got to be really strict about it. Or would you rather spend three, four hundred bucks, get a food allergy test, and find out precisely what is most likely causing you a problem? And I just sort of let them decide. What do you want to do? The elimination diet doesn't cost anything. It works extremely well if you follow it to a T. And I just let people make the decision. And that, that works for me. Yeah, I think that's a good idea because, like, I remember it might have been, like, eight years ago I tried going to a naturopath and I got the blood allergy test and it was, like, the only foods I could eat is, like, hemp protein, squash, and something else. And I was like, wow, this is going to suck. But, like, me being a fitness freak, yeah, sure, I can do it. But if it was, like, a regular individual, they would look at this and be like, wow, this is not happening. (laughs) Well, and I think... To me, what that says is, and again, everybody's approach is different, but if you're to that extreme, it signals something bigger than just its foods. If, if you're showing up you know, sensitive or you know, somewhat allergic to these different things, then there's a bigger problem at play here, and we need to work on actually healing the gut and figuring out what the actual problem is. And it's not just that you've got to cut out all these foods for the rest of your life and they're gone. If you actually heal up your you know, your digestive tract, you can reintroduce a lot of foods. But I think there again, you know, if someone comes up high and all these things, we're not going to cut out everything. We're going to cut out the real high offenders and then get working on the digestive system. Because what happens is, is that they're showing up high because it's an inflammatory response. And so you're eating something and it's creating an inflammatory response in your body. And if you do that over and over, you're damaging your digestive tract. And when you do that, you break down that tissue. It's, not, it's no longer nice and flowy and soft and nice and pink. It starts getting damaged, and then the food starts slipping through the cracks, like they call you know, uh, intestinal permeability, leaky gut, these different things. Mm-hmm. And so what we need to do is heal that digestive tract. And when we do that, those foods no, no longer need to bother us. Now, there's still some foods that people will react to. The big ones, you know, sometimes people are really reactive to dairy or gluten or eggs or corn or soy or, you know, one of those bigger food groups. And when they are, that's something they typically need to remove from their diet long term. But if they're showing up reactive on everything, it's just telling me that that system is compromised and we need to remove some of the big 
you know, the big guns. And then once we've removed them, we'll bring down the inflammation, provide the opportunity for health, you know, through, through potentially some supplements, some nutritive foods, bone broths, these different things. And when you do that, you are allowing your body to heal up that intestinal lining. And when that's happened, you can slowly introduce some of these things again. Right. Um, I was going to ask, for the clients that have done uh, the blood allergy test, what's your kind of like success rate where they followed everything to a T and, you know, were 100% better at the end of it? Like how many, like say out of 10 clients, if they did that? <laughs> well, if we could get 10 people to follow something, anything to a T, we'd have, you know, dang near 100% success rate. Yeah. Clients is a really, really tough thing. You probably know that in the fitness industry. Uh, but having said that, when you can identify and pick out some of these big offenders, just I'll just tell you a little story about a patient. She was having real bad menstrual cramps. And we did a bunch of things, but we just, she was like, I've done everything. I've removed everything. And I said, okay, well, let's look at what you're actually eating. And she was eating a protein powder that had a certain nut, nut in it, mm-hmm. a certain, I, I forget what it was. And it was a couple of years ago now. And so I said, well, let's try something. Let's switch your protein powder and let's try something else. Wow. Huge, huge. It's like almost immediate. She was also having some gas and bloating and things like that. And so it's just a little bit of detective work and figuring out what is, what is wrong here and what can we tweak just a little bit. And when we do that, if it is really the offending agent and they get big changes and they get big changes fairly quickly, they're going to be likely to stick to it. And so I think that's what's really important is identifying these small things that you can make a change on and having those small things make big difference and when you make that big difference, people are going to be motivated to stick with it. So out of 10, I mean, how do we know they're compliant to begin with? If they were compliant and you've actually identified that as the root cause or the real factor in their you know, health problem, because I mean, there's 101 other things it could be, right? You know, food is one piece of the, the pie, but if you're just working with food and you're not dealing with, you know, what if they're super stressed out? Well, then they're not going to be digesting what they're eating anyways. And so, you know, it's kind of a moot point. So if you could, you know, in an ideal world, an ideal situation, if you could do everything to a T, then I would say, you know, a majority of those people could, you know, get a full resolution. Now, if they're chronically ill, they've got an advanced cancer or something like that. Well, that's just that's out of the window. So I think there's just so many grays that it's not possible to to give a number there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like, uh, I, was, I can't remember when this was, but maybe like two months ago, I saw the Precision Nutrition posted like an infograph of a elimination diet. And like, I love how they do those infographics because it's like, it's just simple and easy to follow. And their process was just like different food groups that, you know, for the first two weeks, you just eliminate these three foods in the citrus family, for example. See how you feel. If you feel the same, then that's not it. You move on to the next food group. If something changes, then that might be that one. And I thought that was really simple and easy to follow. Totally. And then talking about compliance, that works, right? If you overwhelm somebody with way too much information and way too many things to do and they've already got a busy life like most of us do, then it's just not going to work. And, you know, so did it not work or were they just not compliant or they were so busy that they couldn't even notice any of the changes to begin with? And so I think that actually touches on another important point as well is that in our lives we're you know we're go 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 and we never really take the opportunity to just sit back and listen to listen to our bodies and and notice what's happening 
you know, that's, I think, a big, big thing. It's like, you don't just suddenly get some of these health issues. It's like something that's, it's nagging at you over time. And if you don't listen and you don't listen and you don't listen, one day it's just going to be a bigger and bigger hammer. And eventually the big sledgehammers come out and you get knocked over the head with something bigger, right? And so I think it's really important to to listen to your body. Now, there's total, so many different ways of doing that. Some people just sitting there and being quiet or meditation or yoga. I mean, there's so many different forms of just taking time for yourself and really tuning in to your body and tuning into what it has to tell you. So this is actually a funny story. I had a patient said, you know, I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that. And I said, well, that, that's okay with me. You don't have to do any of this stuff. But, you know, your body will tell you what works and what doesn't. I don't need to be the one to do it. So just try this for a little while. If your body agrees with it, it'll tell you that in its own form. And if it doesn't, it won't. And so, you know, he comes back after a couple of weeks and ah, actually, yeah, it does make a difference. And I said, oh, well, it's up to you. You can listen to your body or you can, you don't have to listen to me. Just count me out of this thing. And, you know, when you work that way and get people to really tune into what is my body telling me? And when you do that, you're actually able to to notice much quicker whether something's going to work for you or it's not going to work for you. And people can tell fairly quickly, especially with foods, you know, they eat it and they, they feel a bit off or something like that. And they know, okay, maybe I'll stay away from that for a little while and see if something else bothers me. And so really, I think that's the power of the elimination diet is it makes you become more in tune with your body and to listen to what's working and what isn't. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I think you just touched on it earlier a little bit, but what do you think about like stress and how much of the effect it has on your body, health, and weight loss? It's huge. It's really huge. Uh, statistically speaking, anywhere between 60 to 90% of all patient visits to doctors are due to stress-related illnesses. Jeez. And so 60 to 90% of people who come to see a medical doctor, a naturopathic doctor, anybody who's in the healthcare field comes because of a stress-related illness. So it's really big. It's really, you know, it's a big deal. And as it relates to digestion, I mean, when you're in a constant mode of, is somebody after me, you know, back in the day, just to, you know, let's go back a little ways. Back in the day, we had this stress response to save us from, you know, a tiger or a bear or, you know, some tribesman or something like that who was coming after you, an invading tribe or something. And so we had this response where we could just tune it on and divert all blood to our skeletal system so that we could run like crazy and, you know, breathe really deep, full breaths. But in that time, when we're running away from a cougar or a tiger or something like that, we didn't care about digesting our food. And so in this day and age where we're constantly bombarded with different things, we are, our brains haven't changed to the point where we can decipher the difference between a tiger and you know, you know, constantly being you know, overworked or stressed at work or you know, not enjoying your work and these different things. You know, you're diverting all this blood away from your digestive system. And when you're doing that, you're no longer providing the, the energy necessary to fully digest the food. And when you're doing that, it sets up the environment for this intestinal permeability. It sets up the environment for not actually absorbing these nutrients to begin with. And when you're doing that, it just doesn't sustain you physically. It doesn't sustain your tissues, your cells. And it's just sort of this vicious cycle that 
builds on top of itself. It just and then you go, you know, okay, I'm I'm tired. I got to pump up the, you know, the the stimulants, the coffee, the Red Bulls, the monsters, the you know, you name it. You know, you keep going. There's people in corporate world that you know that I've got a lot of. I do I work with people on these different levels, and you know, some of them are they're getting up to the extreme stuff, and you, you wouldn't be aware of it, but they're you know they're starting to use these drugs and things, nootropics, and and some of this stuff, and it's it's I don't know. It, to me, it's going a little far. Yeah, it's like I find the clients or those people you work with that have high stress or the high stress job, it kind of like it snowballs into like poor sleep, like poor eating habits. And it just it's like a vicious cycle, right? Because the moment you're so stressed, you're like thinking about work. What do you have to do the next day? And you're in and out of sleep. You maybe get five hours and then, yeah, you go to the coffees and Red Bulls the next day. Totally. And I mean, it's. So it's life has got this it's a series of it's kind of like a crop right it's there's these ups and these downs and it, it's it's a normal thing to have these ebbs and flows especially if you're in business or you know there's busy times if you're an accountant and it's tax season and there's these different things but if it's an extended thing over a long period of time that's where the real damage sets in and so i think it's really important to identify what in that level is really bugging you out and how can you potentially introduce some strategies to overcome that or minimize them or, you know, these different things. And so I think it's really important. And I talk a lot about purpose. And I think it's really so important to live a purposeful life, a meaningful life, a life where you're doing what you love and you love what you're doing and you show up to work excited. You know, I get up every day and I'm excited to do what I do, I, you know, so I'm not stressed out about what I'm doing. Sure, there's stressful moments. There's obviously stressful moments. Sometimes I go speaking and I'm on front of the stage in front of a whole bunch of people and it's a bit stressful, but it's okay. It doesn't last for a long period of time. And, you know, it's important. It's necessary in that moment to have a bit of a stress response so that I'm actually thinking clearly and I'm, you know, I'm doing what I need to do. But if that's over an extended period of time, that's where the problem sets in. And so really identify what is my purpose? What do I need to do to make a difference in this world? And and when I'm doing that thing, that's really where you're going to, feel alive and really want to do what you're doing and understand the reason for, for doing what you're doing to begin with. A lot of people just do their job day in, day out, and there's no real purpose. There's no motivation. There's no reason to to get up in the morning and just go at it. And so when it comes to making changes in their other areas of their life, you know, the, the lethargy brings in and there's depression and anxiety and all this other stuff. So I think for me, from my perspective, really living a purposeful and meaningful life is so powerful from a health standpoint and from a research standpoint. They actually looked at a group of people over 15 years who are between the ages of 20 to 75, and I'm going to wager that that includes pretty much everybody listening right now. And so these people, when they studied them, they looked, they gave them a questionnaire to identify where, whether or not they were living a purposeful life. And the ones that were not after this 15-year period actually died sooner. And so that's kind of important. And so for me, I talk a lot about that because that's why I'm in medicine to begin with, is to help people not only live longer, but also more meaningful and healthful lives. And so by identifying, okay, what is my purpose? And I think that is a you know, confusing word, but just identifying what it is that really pushes you forward, propels you, and excites you then doing that thing will help you from your health in all standpoints, especially as it relates to stress as well and, 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 and health and weight loss and these different things. Oh, definitely. Um, so kind of the next thing I wanted to touch on is motivation because I find, especially now in the summer, 
so many clients are more inclined to, you know, skipping sessions or just canceling the whole week together because they decided to go, you know, to the beach or somewhere nice and warm and the fitness and healthy lifestyle has taken, you know, the back burner. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I hear you there. Uh, I think, again, it relates to that sort of topic of it's kind of like a harvest season, right? There are ups and downs. And we did talk earlier about, you know, yo-yo dieting and how that's not a good thing if you can avoid it. But I think, you know, there's also a component of to be a little bit of a devil's advocate here to take that time away if you're, you know, if you really are going to the beach and relaxing, that in and of itself is healthy. But when it comes to motivation, I mean, it's really challenging. I mean, you can be a motivating guy and you can really help people and, you know, boost them up and give them the energy. But motivation is something that fades. And so, again, coming back to the, the purpose thing, you know, why is it that you want to be healthy? Why is it that you really want to make these changes in your life? And if that's something that you can keep front and center, you know, let's say you're you're 65, you've got some grandkids or you've got some kids and, you know, do you want to be around with them longer? Like, what is it that, what's the reasoning? What's the purpose for you to live a, healthy, a healthier life? And if they can really identify with that strongly, they're going to be much more motivated to actually stick through with it than somebody who just doesn't really have a clue why they're doing this or it's just a you know, more surface level, like I just want a beach body for the summer, then it's not going to be, the, the motivation really fades. And I think you know, real true weight loss and long-term weight loss, it's hard work. And so you've got to be ready for the hard work. And if you're not, well, then you know, you're going to be flaking off. And that's, you know, sometimes it's okay it's like smoking, right? Sometimes people will quit and they'll start again and they'll quit again and they'll start again. And they need to do that a couple of times to really you know, build up what it takes to move through it and just quit the habit altogether. And so I think really identifying why it is you really want to make that shift in your life to begin with. And then once you have, how to stick with that is to keep that purpose in mind. Why is it that you're doing this to begin with? And when you have that, it's going to be much more likely. Now, having said that, sometimes people need a catastrophe to make a change. It's just the reality. And that's a lot of you know, what I've seen is that you know, someone will be just going along, they're smoking, they're drinking, they're eating all this junk food, and their wife, their mom, you know, everybody can be telling them to quit and you know, change their lives, and they won't. And suddenly, uh, who knows, their sibling or their parent will get a heart attack, or they'll get a heart attack, or something happens, and they just got this smack in the face like, okay, now this is serious. I've got to change. And it's kind of, I, I don't know, I feel like it's a bit of this feeling of invincibility or, you know, that's just not me or, you know, these different things. And so sometimes people need, you know, a bigger hit with a bigger hammer. And when they do, that's going to give them the long-term motivation it takes to make change. And so I think from my perspective anyways, I don't want to work with people who don't want to work. Yeah. And yep. so if that's the mentality that you have, you, you know, you're just not putting all your energy into it, then we're, we're just not a good fit. You know, I'm, I, I've only got so much time in my day. And if you're not going to be one of the ones that's going to actually take what I have to share with you and then do something with it, then I'm afraid we're not the right fit. And if we're not, well, then maybe you just want to wait a while and come back again when you are ready. And so I think maybe from your perspective, screening people a little bit and saying, okay, you know, are you serious about this? And if you are, let's do this. I'm all in. But if you're not, if you're not going to totally buy in 
and you're not going to take this serious and you're not going to take time off unless it's something that's actually like necessary or a family vacation or something like that, then I don't know that we should be working together. Because from a business standpoint, you, you know, the more people you get good big results with, the bigger and faster your business is going to grow. And so I think you know, really understanding about who it is that you can work with that is going to have the motivation it takes to really change long term. And so I think it's hard from a practitioner standpoint or a personal trainer standpoint to continually be that motivation. And I don't fully believe that that's our role or your role because that's, you know, that is a whole different realm. Now, of course, there's a, there's a component of it where you can be encouraging and you can help them through the challenges and all these different things. But if someone has that mentality and you know, isn't taking this really seriously, then that's where I would start to ask some of these bigger questions. Yeah, like I find with people that if they don't have something that happens in their head that's like, okay, I'm ready. And then they go into the gym, they follow what I tell them, and then they see success. Whereas some people kind of like, oh, I have to work out because it's good for me. But they're not really into it until they're like emotionally, physically, and spiritually ready to actually take on this next challenge. And like health is number one in my life right now. And they'll do everything possible to get there. Well, I think totally. I mean, understanding your priorities is super important. If, you know, career comes before health, then guess what? You're going to be, you know, doing everything it, it takes to advance your career. But if you put your health first or second, then you're going to put more priority and more energy and attention onto that. So I think, you know, you bring up a good point in understanding what your priorities are. And when you value and you place a priority on your health, then you're much more likely to actually see it through. So I think you know you're you know you're touching on some really great topics here that uh, are really important for people to understand and to ask themselves those types of questions. You know, I think it's really easy to come up with excuses. There's a lot of those out there, oh, and yeah. some of them, you know, well, excuses kind of explain it. But you know, there's legitimate reasons why somebody might have a struggle losing weight. And that's where getting you know more advanced care, coming to see a naturopathic doctor or somebody who can you know run some blood tests and understand what's going on here. But there's this other side where it's just like you know they're just lazy. They don't want to make a change, and they just continually come up with excuses why they can't or they won't. And so I think you got to understand you know where you're at, and, and are you just making excuses, or is there a legitimate problem here? And so um, there's this really funny cartoon that I read a while ago, and it said um, there's this guy. I think he was sitting in the doctor's office, and he said, "Well, um, heart disease runs in my family." And the cartoon said, well, that's because nobody runs in your family. <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen that, yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's so funny. I mean, of course, it's, you know, it's not that uber sensitive and there's yeah. always other extraneous factors that factor into this. But it, it does bring up a big point that, you know, you can make up all these excuses about genetics and all these different things. But, you know, the reality and the, the, the research shows that, just genetics alone plays such a small factor in these conditions. And so you're, you've got much more power than you might think. Yeah, like it, it's just hard work. Like I don't think people understand actually how much effort you need to put into the lifestyle to see the changes you want to see. Like it's not a, a three-month challenge and after you have a shredded six-pack and you're good to go for the rest of your life. Like it's hard work. 
Oh, totally. That's you don't just get a six pack in three months. At least I can't. Um, and it's you know once you get it, you got to keep going. You know what I mean? It's like you can't just get there and you got the prize and you let it go again. I mean, you can, but then you go right back to where you were before. And so I think that's the other thing. Again, you, you mentioned it. Can you do this for the rest of your life? And you know, it's not to say that a burst you know, six months of exercising is going to be a bad thing long term. That's for sure. I mean, some exercise is better than no exercise. But I think identifying as well as like, what do you enjoy doing? Some people just going to the gym just isn't their gig. It's just not their thing. And I understand that. And so what could you do that you would enjoy and that would actually be regenerating to you that would build you up a little bit? And that's, you know, what I talked about with some of this you know, mindfulness side of things, you know, tuning into yourself. And so I go to the gym myself, but I also love biking. So I'll go biking a couple times a week for 10, 15 K and that's great. I love it. It's just perfect. And so I think that's, you know, really an important piece that people and trainers and doctors and these different things need to understand is what can we, you know, how can we make what they're going to do the changes we're going to suggest stick longer and the way to do that is one make it simple but also enjoyable and fun and these different things and so when it would come to dietary changes i would just i would sort of challenge people say like you know do something different play around you know get a recipe book search around online and you know try different foods and you know make it kind of fun make it a game do it with your partner and your friends you know different people and you know, don't just alienate yourself by completely restricting yourself and changing everything. You know, bring some people along with you on the on this journey and, and you know, build in accountability and these different things because if you do, you're much more likely to actually see it through to the end. Oh, yeah. Accountability is huge. Um, actually, I do this uh, thing called the Transformation Challenge every year and part of it is uh, there's a private Facebook group and part of the challenge is that every day, you need to post just one picture of one meal onto the group to get points. And then in that community of people in the doing the challenge, people start seeing like, oh, that looked pretty good. I think I could probably make that. And then they start asking that person, oh, what did you do for that recipe? And then, you know, seeing what other people are doing, they're like, oh, I can do this too if other people are doing it because they're in the same boat as me. That's awesome. That's yeah. really cool. You know, again, it provides a little bit of inspiration to try different things because I, I think I was that way at one point too. You just kind of get stuck in your way and you're like, I don't like olives as an example. Yeah. And you get like, do I really not like olives or am I just telling myself this story that just isn't true? And so be open about it and try it in different foods. And it's like, if you don't prepare a food properly, it's going to taste like crap. Yeah. So, you know, learn how to prepare it properly and then it actually tastes pretty good. It's like, yeah, if you're just munching on lettuce all the time without, you know, mixing nuts and seeds and, you know, great dressings and these different things in with it, well, yeah, it's gross. It's yeah. lame. It's boring. Make it fun. Spice it up a little bit. I mean, it's kind of like a relationship, you know? It's like yeah. if you don't pay any attention to it, you just do bland all the time. Well, it gets boring and you want to leave it. Definitely. Um, so I think we kind of touched on everything that I wanted to go through. So, uh, maybe you can kind of tell people what your next projects are and where they can find you, what your website is and things like that. Sure. Sure. So where to find me? I'm in different places, basically everywhere. Uh, you can find me on social media at Dr. Jason Klopp. That's just Dr. Jason and my last name, K L O P. That's the same thing for my website 
www.drjasonklopp.com. There's actually this really exciting new thing that I'm working on, and I haven't even told anybody yet, so it's a first. Perfect. And what it's about is it's about, in some sense, tapping into that purpose. And so I actually just recently came out of doing a summit, and that summit was the sort of tagline was turn your passion into profits. And I think it's, as I alluded to earlier, living a purposeful and a meaningful life, doing what's meaningful and passion-driven work is really powerful from a health standpoint, from a life satisfaction and a fulfillment standpoint, as well as from an impact standpoint. And so helping people identify what it is they really want to do in their lives and then doing that thing. Because a lot of what I hear is, well, I'm passionate about something, but I don't know how to make money doing that thing. And the two of us, just before we started recording, we're talking a little bit about podcasts and how to generate some revenue through podcasting. And, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to create a monetization strategy. And so if my belief is that if I can help more people do work that they're passionate about, then from a health standpoint, it's going to be amazing. And from an impact standpoint, it's going to be even grander. And so that's, you know, my sort of twist on things. I do talk about health and I am a naturopathic doctor, but I really do believe that if people can do more meaningful work, work that they feel passionate about, that they're purposeful in and about, that's really where we can enact change. And so to learn more about that, you can go to um, dynamicsuccessacademy.com. And I'm not sure when you're going to have this thing airing, but in the next few days, few weeks, that's going to be up and we're going to be started with that. And it's going to be you know, a ton of amazing, awesome content, you know, expert interviewing on really how to create a monetization strategy, a plan, how to bring money into your business through sponsors, through investors, through you know, banks and, and these different things. And so really getting rid of that excuse here, the word is again, about how you can really turn what you're passionate about into something that you can actually live off of. And so that's really something I'm super excited about. Um, but really what matters most is that you decide that you want to make a change in your life and you go ahead and you do it. And I think that's from my perspective, what I would leave people with is just, you know, make a change and it doesn't need to be a big change, but make a small change. And we start making small changes. They're going to be kind of like a snowball going down a hill. They just grow and grow and grow. And you educate yourself by listening to podcasts like this one, by listening and reading and, and just soaking up information. And over time, you just become you know, more and more knowledgeable and understanding the power and the the importance that you have to play in your own health, in your own life. And when you take it upon yourself to make these changes, that's really what's going to last. That's what's going to stick. Stop counting on you know, the government or doctors or any of these other people to, to take care of you because they're just not. You know, they, of course, they can help you and they can guide you and they can direct you. But ultimately, you're the one who's got the power to make the change in your life. And so, what I would just say is if anybody you know, would like to reach out to me even more personally than the, through social media, you've got a question or you'd like to chat about something, you can also email me personally. And here's another first. I don't typically give away my email on podcasts, but here we go. Uh, Jason at drjasonklopp.com. I really do love hearing from people and chatting with people and seeing how I can serve more, serve bigger, serve better. And that's just really what my life has all been about is just how can I reach a bigger stage? How can I help more people? And for me, it really matters to create impact. And if I can create, help create impact in somebody else's life, they'll just ripple 
the effect down and out and out and out. And so that's really what matters for me. And so thanks so much, Rafael, for bringing me on. I really appreciate it. You've got such an engaging and exciting interview style. So keep it up. Keep the show happening. You're doing an awesome job. Thank you so much. So I hope you all enjoyed uh, Dr. Jason Klopp's little interview. Uh, again, if you guys have any questions, please email me at rafael at empowerhp.ca and I'll get right back to you. If you want to find more about Jason Klopp, I will link his info into this episode. And until next week, I'll see you guys then.